0: You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 145. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Now, you are going to be hearing these episodes a couple days apart, but I am literally shooting them back to back. And I just got done doing internalizing your goals for you and then externalizing them for others so that you create this this higher sense of self, like why am I doing these goals and what is it that I'm seeking to achieve in me? And then you can start to connect the dots to how they will externalize toward others. It's a beautiful, beautiful way of thinking. And now I want to start to discuss who are you while you are getting there? Now, I talked about this on episode 120 of the College Success Habits podcast, which I literally did right before the 144. So this is back to back to back. And so now I'm absolutely in podcast mode and I'm super flowy. So I'm going to do my best to uh, slow down a little bit because I I get super excited when I start to talk about this. We have dove into this ad nauseum, this, this idea that you are not what you do. And because if you were then your identity your essential being would inescapably defined by your past actions your past is your past who you were then is not who you are now you're creating this sense of self now from the now and it can be difficult for other people in your life to disconnect your current self from your past actions right cuz what they have to judge you upon is how you behaved in the past. And they didn't necessarily sign up to start to believe. One of my favorite sayings is, which we do not seek to judge others to be right or wrong, we seek to better understand. Just like we don't seek to judge ourselves, we seek to understand ourselves. They didn't sign up for that. And it can be a little infuriating or annoying or just downright you know discouraging at times to still be getting caught up in who you were versus who you are now. So what's important is that each day you're mindful of how you can begin to show new habits, begin to act differently, begin to display yourself in a way that shows yourself and others that you are actively working on becoming this new version of yourself that you see in the mirror when you look back. This is going back to cognitive dissonance. You look in the mirror and you see a sober person who's working on their body and their mind and their spirit, and they're working on this stuff. Other people might just still see the same old person because they just haven't experienced enough of this new version of you yet. Well, you haven't experienced enough of this new version of you yet either to have solidified some of these habits into your life. And there are going to be times where you are going to find yourself sort of sliding back into previous behaviors because for 22 years, that's how long it was for me, that's what I did. So just because I've got five years into my sobriety and recovery doesn't mean I just snap my fingers and I've healed all of my previous undesirable habits. I can easily slide back into them because I dug this groove in the record so deep that it's, it's, it's habitual to be disconnected or afraid of speaking my voice or asking for what I want. So I just shut down and and clamor up and go inside. And then people around me don't really know what's going on in my life. And then I get mad at them for not asking me the right questions or trying to help me open up when they didn't even know anything was going on. Just expecting them to mind read. I don't want to have to mind read them any more than they want to have to mind read me. So I'm telling them, don't have a hidden manual for me, yet I seem to have a hidden manual for them, and I'm not willing to take my own responsibility and say, hey, this is what I'm experiencing. I don't expect you to just be able to know this, so I want to let you know this is what I'm experiencing, and giving them the opportunity to step into that with me. They can still decline. doesn't mean that they have to agree. They might have a whole another prerogative, but if I say, well, this is what I need in this moment, And this is what I need in this moment. Then they can decide to step into that and help in that moment, or they can not. But by speaking my voice and saying, this is what I could use, then it opens them up to knowing exactly what's going on. So when you look in the mirror and you say, well, I'm this new version, Jesse, I'm this new version. Why doesn't everybody see it? They just haven't experienced the new version enough yet to know that this is actually your new baseline. This is your new status quo. And in some cases, you haven't either. This is the secret all over again, right? You can sit there and you can manifest it and you can send out positive energy, but if you don't get up and take action, then all it is is just thoughts in your head and dreams. Your reality, hopefully, can be your dreams actualized. But if you don't take the dreams, put them down on paper, and start to come up with a formidable way, a formation of a way to... A set goals that will bring you to your dreams, then all it is is just, it's just a dream. It's just an imaginative moment. Oh, I want i want a brand new car in the driveway. Well, then you're going to have to work towards achieving that. I want to have loving relationships in my life. Then you're going to have to work to achieve that. So who are you being while you get there? I'm going to read something that one of my tribal members sent me today that I thought was super interesting. Um, it says that, What I would call the new version of me comes and goes and can feel fake, so my default is still old ways and negative thinking patterns. This isn't my first go around with these thoughts though, right? And what I read with that, what I would call the new version of me comes and goes and can feel fake, so my default is still old ways and negative thinking patterns. Yeah, because these old ways and negative thinking patterns used to just be our normal way of thinking. This used to be our current way. We decided we were no longer happy with that way. We were going to seek to change it. But we've dug this groove into this record. So going back that way can feel comfortable. It can almost happen without us even consciously realizing it. For me, just sliding back into not discussing things, not asking for what I want, not being open about what it is I need right? That, that was, that's my old way, shutting down and just internalizing everything and creating these stories in my head for how I think it might go if I talk to them, but then never actually talking to them. But it's not my first go around with these thoughts and these emotions any more than it is for my tribal member. So now we say, okay, good. We know this has happened before. you know How did it get us stuck before? Well, what's a different way to behave now that can get me out of it? You're not stuck. You're standing still kind of mentality. So when I say, okay, well, am I doing old Jesse behavior? Okay, well, then what does new Jesse want to be? Just new Jesse wants to be open and connected and loving. Okay, great. Well, then who am I being while I'm getting there? And this actually came up in a, in one of my one-on-ones with a tribal member, uh, where it was like, I don't need to know where I'm going, but I do want to know what kind of person I am being while I get there. And that was the powerful sentence that came from this this session that we had from this realization. You don't always need to know exactly where you're going. Right? You could say, well, I'm going to New York City and I'm going to Carnegie Hall. That's great. You know exactly where you're going. There's a lot of things, a lot of other places you're going to in order to get to that final destination. So that's one of those moments you're like, but see, Jesse, you just gave an example. I know exactly where I'm going. Yeah, but you might end up getting into New York City and think, well, actually the first place I want to go is Rockefeller Center. Okay, but that wasn't where you had intended on going this whole time. You left Los Angeles to drive to New York City to go to Carnegie Hall, and you ended up at Rockefeller Center. And along the way, you ended up at 10,000 other places. So then the question becomes, since we're not always sure that the destination we are, that we have in mind right now is going to be where we actually want to go when we start to get closer to the destination city in this example, who am I being along the way of getting there? if I'm being this rushed and hurried person and and being impatient with everyone in the car with me as we drive from Los Angeles to New York, or even just with myself, then I say, well, don't worry. As soon as I get to New York City, I'll be more calm. I'll be more uh, loving. I'll be more patient. But right now I want to be hurried and I want to be frantic and I want to be impatient because I'm trying to plow my way through 4,000 miles across the country. But then you've behaved this way, the entire way. And then when you get there, now all of a sudden you're, you're expecting to flip a switch and immediately be relaxed and comfortable and patient. But your unconscious mind says, how we got here was by being these other things, impatient and chaotic. Now that we're here, you want me to become patient and calm? But I achieve things through impatience and chaoticness. So if I'm trying to achieve something while I'm here, why would I change the behavior that got me here? And that's the powerful sentence. If you behave one way to get somewhere, why would your unconscious mind want to change once you're there? Because you've you've programmed it to tell you that when you act this way, you achieve your goals. So why is it that you think that as soon as you get to your goal, you're immediately going to change the way you behave? It doesn't it doesn't work that way. I talked about in the College Success Habits podcast how um, I had seen a movie once where a major rich guy is talking to his daughter's fiance, and this guy's got cars in and, and, and a 25,000 square foot mansion, and the movie very much makes sure you understand this dude's opulent wealth. And he says a line to his daughter's fiance at the dinner table that goes a little something like this, um, if I had to do it all over again, I would have chosen philanthropy over being a businessman because it's so much more rewarding. Well, Yeah. Easy for you to say that in your twenty-five thousand square foot house with your G six parked in the driveway, but when you were thirty, you just wanted financial freedom or greed or wealth or power, and so that's what you chose. But you could have chosen to work hard towards having opulent wealth and at the same time been more philanthropic along the way. This goes back to uh, to Carnegie and, and Rockefeller and J P Morgan and the Vanderbilts from back in the early nineteen hundreds when the industrial revolution changed the face of America and the world, in fact. They were cutthroat businessmen stomping down their competition, cutting wages, uh, providing unsafe work environments. They were stomping, stomping, stomping all along the way. Rather than uplifting everybody else, they stomped everything down in order to win, 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 win. And then they got to 70 or 80 and realized they couldn't take it with them. And they started slapping their names all over libraries and hospitals and buildings so they could leave a lasting legacy of philanthropy. But the story beneath the surface is they were dicks the whole time. Oh, I see. At the very end, you're going to try to be awesome, and then we're just going to forget that you were a dick the whole time. Who were they being while they were getting there? They were being not good people. So they may have not even known where they were trying to get to, to being the richest people on the planet in 1917 or whatever, but they sure as hell knew how they were behaving every day in order to achieve becoming the richest people on the planet. And they were okay with that behavior until they got to the very near end where they had to come to terms with their God. And then they wanted to try to slap their name all over buildings. I'm sorry. 2,000 libraries right before you die doesn't make up for the hundreds, if not thousands and thousands of workers that you, that you absolutely didn't treat fairly and held down in order for you to be richer. Where you could have been more... Um, open and loving with your money and allowed them to have a life that was actually beneficial to them and actually helped them raise their children in a different lifestyle. Perhaps they had a better education because of it. Their kids went off and did better things than just becoming an oil rig worker or a coal miner, right? Instead, you held them down by only providing enough, enough to, if they were lucky to have food in the refrigerator, if they even had a refrigerator, but don't worry, you got your 25,000 square foot mansion and at the very end of your life, you're going to give away all your money to libraries, but libraries doesn't put food on the table of that worker you exploited 47 years ago. It does not make up for the travesties of justice that you incurred upon everyone else in the wake of you driving yourself towards success. So who are you being while you're achieving these things in your life that get you to these goals that are so important to you. So you've internalized your goals. You've connected them to things that you want inside, right? That, That becomes this passion. Now it's your purpose to help other people in your life feel love and connected towards you to, to experience you as this new version of yourself that will just through osmosis make their lives better. Great. Now, who are you being along the way? If I want to be a better friend, Right, and I want somebody to love me and call me whenever their day is, is down because I want them to know that I can support them. I just can't snap my fingers and expect them to feel that right away when that's not something about me that they've been experiencing for quite some time. Who I am along the way of having this rock-solid friendship is the person who calls them, is the person who texts, texts them, is the person who continues to maintain communication with them. Each day along the way, I'm being a person that's loving and connected and awesome in order for them to ultimately get to this location with me. Where are you being mindful of having gratitude and humility and integrity, of being happy and optimistic and positive, of being loving and hardworking and compassionate and empathetic? You don't just snap your fingers and get to these places. Each and every day, you're working toward making this version of yourself a reality. So that when you look in the mirror, there's not a cognitive dissonance over who you think you are versus who you actually are. We want to shorten that gap. We want, we want, to, we want to decrease that gap. There's obviously going to be things that you look, in your, look at yourself in the mirror and, and think that you can be working on. If there's anybody out there who doesn't look in the mirror and think that there's something that they could be working on in their life, then they're just not being self-aware. We all have something that we could be working on. And we could be self-aware about it and just choosing not to prioritize it right now in the hopes that we'll get to it in the future. But your future is created today. So what is one thing you could do today to start growing toward that version of yourself you seek to be tomorrow? Being mindful of who you're being each and every day is that way. That's what's going to guide you to be that version of yourself tomorrow. And you don't even need to know exactly the version of yourself you're, you want to be tomorrow. What's more important is that you start to embrace the qualities of a person who would be like that. If you want to own your own business and hire other people and, and have them have wealth because of your business, then you start to take on the attributes of a hardworking business owner today. You're a more thoughtful, compassionate leader. You step outside the box and you see alternative ways to accomplish goals. You have open communication amongst your team. You encourage those people whenever they're down and you notice things that are happening inside of them before they're even self-aware enough of it so that you can ask them the right questions that guide them to where they want to go. You don't just run around telling everybody what to do whenever their input could be valuable and actually help them figure it out. Now, let me let me go over that sentence. You don't just tell everybody what to do. You, you take in others' feedback in order to guide them to where they ultimately want to go. It's very much a coaching mindset. Somebody could come to me and say, Jesse, I want to lose 20 pounds. Great. Walk 10,000 steps. Drink a gallon of water a day. Get a scale. Weigh your food. Hit the gym three days a week. You do that, it'll happen. Give it like four or five months. You'll be good to go. But if they haven't internalized all that stuff I've just said and actually, just, like is that really what they want to do? There's 10 million ways to skin a cat. There's a, there's infinite ways to a destination. If my way doesn't connect with them, they're not going to keep up with it. So when I say as a leader to take in other people's input, yes, at certain times it's like do this, do this, do this, do this, and this project will be good to go. Yes, there's going to be times where you have to give direct attention and direct orders. There's other times we're taking in feedback and asking your team, what's going on? Is there another way that you guys could see for us to do this in order to still accomplish it in the way that I would like to see it accomplished? That feedback can be damn powerful. And it actually gives them some autonomy and it gives them some leadership in themselves. Great leaders grow great leaders. Great coaches create people who can coach themselves. I don't just want to teach people to fish. I want to teach people how to teach others to fish so that you can go on and you can talk about this information to others, not even necessarily to get paid for it or to be a coach or to necessarily be a leader, but just in the way that you discuss it, it's in such a way that people are just drawn to your energy around it. I can. It, so when I say I want to teach you how to teach others to fish, it doesn't mean that you actually have to go out and do it. They could literally just be watching you do it and learning from your behaviors. Learning from your actions. So, when you want to be this amazing leader, right, you want to have the, you want to be able to lower your ego down enough to take information in from others, from the team, from the ground troops, and say, oh, okay, well, this is what they're experiencing, and they're the ones actually dealing with this on a regular basis. Maybe I should start to change my approach. This happened at my restaurant all the time. The managers would come in and want to change something, but it would make no sense to us. Because that doesn't actually make the workflow any easier. In fact, it makes the workflow more difficult. But they wouldn't ask our opinion. They'd just come in and say, this is how we're going to do it. We think it's going to be better. And we would do it for a month. Then we would habituate it. But it added three steps. When what we would have liked to have seen, was three steps deleted, not three more steps added. Why leaders, especially in military, don't want to talk to the ground troops and find out, well, what are you experiencing? Let's make sure that we're meeting your needs. And then we can start to add things on top of it if we think that it's actually going to be beneficial. We should be seeking to simplify our lives, not more, not overcomplicate it. And this is why knowing who you're being while you're seeking to achieve these things in your life is so important. You can simplify knowing that you're going to bed every single night, a winner, winning the day, By asking yourself, was I connected? Was I loving? Was I open or was I vulnerable? Was I hardworking? Was I caring and compassionate, empathetic? Was I patient? Did I breathe instead of yell? What was it I could have done? Okay, good. Let me be that version of myself today. And when I lay my head on the pillow, maybe I didn't get a new client or I didn't book that speaking engagement or I didn't write that chapter in my book, but I was still loving and connected. And I still did one thing that led me toward that ultimate goal. Next week, I'm going to teach my, my uh, time management, uh, t- time creation process of, of priority four focuses. And the beauty of this is that it, just, it allowed me at a very early stage of my addiction recovery to come up with my priority and four focuses for each day around my addiction recovery. What was I doing in order to up-level my addiction recovery, my sobriety? From there, I was able to take in my three spheres of career self-relationship in the four pillars of each one of those spheres of physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and I combined them and I came up with this whole daydream about us having this gigantic McMansion of life and that each room is being remodeled. And And they're not separated by walls. They're actually this big, flowing, open room space, but each room is very well defined and has its own decor. And that was how I internalized this and created this whole mind map of what it was I was working on. And then each day I sought to portray those attributes of the person I was seeking to become in the future, but portraying those attributes now. So who are you being now? Are you being patient with your kids? Are you being a more organized and tidy person? Because when you, you, you want to have an organized and tidy mind and then you look around your, your house and it's chaos, that's going to affect your brain. So if you want to be a more organized person in your mind and in your calendar and with your life, start by being more organized in your home. If you want to be the person that has amazing relationships with your kids whenever they become 25 and 30, start being amazing to them now and patient and loving and kind and speaking to them with empowerment language rather than disempowering language. Encourage them with positive affirmations rather than discouraging them with what you think reality is. Oh, that's great you got that award, but you know, the world loves to kick you in the teeth well, you just said but, so great, congratulations, you got that award, but the world loves to kick you in the teeth, so you just negated the congratulations you run the award part and you're emphasizing the, the, the part that says the world kicks you in the teeth. We all know life can suck sometimes, but you don't need to highlight that in your compliment. Just give the compliment and take out but, because but negates everything that came before it and continues the thought. Well, it's great that you won that award, and the world can kick you in the teeth sometimes, so be mindful to celebrate these victories and also be thoughtful of how you will be able to maintain a more emotional balance whenever things don't go your way. Okay, I got a positive. I also got warned to be mindful, but it's okay because things have gone my way this time, and they may not next time, but I have already achieved success once. I know if I can measure it, then I can replicate it, then I can achieve it again the next time. And maybe the next time I'm not holding up the Super Bowl trophy. Maybe I just made the playoffs, but over the course of my entire career, they'll say, you know, 14-time playoff uh, maker and you know six-time divisional champ and two-time AFC champion and one-time Super Bowl winner. I still got the Super Bowl once, which is a lot more than a, most people can say. So who am I being along the way of achieving all of these amazing accomplishments that ultimately get me into the Hall of Fame? You get into the Hall of Fame and no one's sitting there saying, well, he lost six times in the AFC championship. No, they're applauding the three times that you made it to the Super Bowl and won it. So who are you being while you were creating this version of yourself, while you were creating the person who would leave a lasting legacy? How are you being patient with your loved ones today? How are you being disciplined around your physical performance and your growth? How are you being mindful of what information you're putting into your brain and how you're organizing it? We know that we're not what we do, when it comes to our careers and things, we're not the we're not tennis player. I'm not the guy who goes to the gym. I go to the gym to create this amazing body, but what it's doing for me internally is showing me that I have discipline and I encourage and decisiveness and I've developed my growth. I'm developing my growth mindset. I'm working towards something. I have this amazing goal of, great, of gaining 12 pounds of muscle in 2022. Even if I only get six pounds of muscle, that's still an amazing accomplishment my body frame will still look that much better. But more importantly, it'll be able to function at a much more efficient rate at 55, 65, and 75 because I will train it to have these behaviors in it now so that in life, whenever I start to have a bad knee or a bad shoulder or I have a bad year or I eat a little and un- healthy and my career takes over a little bit more, something happens in one of my relationships where I need to put my attention toward it more so than other things, that I've already built up this foundation of being healthy so that those, those characteristics are ingrained and now the behaviors that feed those characteristics are habituated to the point where even when tons of other things are going on, it's already habituated for me to eat healthy and hit the gym. My mind's already finding ways to fit it into my schedule, regardless of what else is going on around me. And while I can exercise flexibility and move a workout to a different day or to a different time, or understand that if I miss it for a week, I can just pick right up where I left off, go back in the gym for a couple days, get the body warmed up, and boom, I'm right back to where I need to be. I can habituate it to the point where I realize that's a thing. But it's going to take steps every day. It's going to take that tenacity. It's going to take that effort. And that's why I want you to be mindful. You do not need to absolutely positively know where you're going, but you do want to know what kind of person you're being while you get there. That's the mindfulness each and every day that will help you go to bed a winner. That's the mindfulness that will take all these things that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, right? The handing the baton off, understanding the spheres, understanding the pillars, creating your own McMansion of your life in your head. That's going to be the system, the uh, the love systems, right? Anybody's system will work if you just habituate it and turn it into your normal. But who are you being each and every day as you create this system in your head, as you start to take these steps towards your goals? You can start being who you know you are going to be and you can be that person now. And if you catch yourself being impatient or yelling at the deli counter worker, or being angry with somebody who cut you off on the road, but your ultimate goal is to be patient and empathetic and loving, then in that moment, catch yourself and go, you know what, nope, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, The car could be a mile away by this point. And you say, you know what, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have yelled at you. I hope wherever you're going, as you drive the way that you are driving, I hope that you get there safely and that you can take care of whatever situation is you know, currently sparking this kind of driving behavior in you because you have no idea what's going on in that person's life. Tragedy could have just fallen in their family. And the least of their worries is that they cut you off. They don't want to make you get in an accident because they don't want to have to stop and deal with that. They're trying to make it somewhere. So you can just assume the title of loving, compassionate human in that moment and say, may you be blessed. Good luck with where you're going. Because you don't know what their circumstance is. Even their circumstance of driving recklessly, somebody else might think it's just driving. It's just your perspective, which is subjective, dictating that you think their driving behavior is erratic. But it could seem quite normal to other people. So seek to release the judgment. And in that moment, just understand... That instead of it being right or wrong, and since you can't ask them for reasons for why they're behaving that way, why are you driving erratically Mr. Crazy Person Who Drove By Me? And even crazy is a subjective title that is probably not helping this storyline forward. Why are you driving this way, person? You don't get to stop and ask them that because they sped ahead of you. So you can just assume the sale in your head and say, you know what? They're trying to make it somewhere. Somewhere right now is extremely important that they are may they be blessed and send them on their merry way. And in that moment, you are a person with patience and empathy, compassion, and love. It doesn't matter if that person ever got to experience it. It doesn't even matter if that person didn't want it. You're doing this for yourself. You're not doing it for them. You're embracing their erratic driving behavior because it's better to just wish them to be blessed and on their merry way than to sit here with anger inside of yourself for 30 minutes while they're already at their destination taking care of what was more important to them than your than than what you thought about their driving was 30 minutes ago. So who are you being while you're getting somewhere? Perhaps you're trying to get somewhere really fast because something is going on in your life. But in the, way, in the course of getting to your destination, you're the one driving erratically. You're the one changing lanes and putting other people's lives in danger. Do you really want to be that person? You could still drive fast and change lanes and move around people, but do you really need to be putting people in harm's way while you're doing that? What if you create chaos in someone else's life while you're trying to be the the tending to the chaos in your life? So now you've just created chaos in someone else's life because you had chaos in yours. That goes along with the saying that an emergency on your part doesn't dictate, uh, what was it? A lack of planning on your part doesn't necessitate an emergency on mine. Meaning when you walk up to the the gate ticket person at the airport and say, oh my God, I have an emergency. I need you to fix this, fix this, fix this. And it was something that you could have planned against. That doesn't make it their It doesn't mean that they have to take on the same priority level you have because you didn't take care of your business when you could have been. Certainly they can step up and help. It is their job to be of assistance, but it is not their job to take your BS and your yelling and your impatience and your your sharp tongue. They could want to help you, but they do not have to accept the way that you're behaving while you're asking for that help. So who are you being while you get there? Really be mindful of this, guys. Because if you can set out the idea that every single day you're going to be loving and communicative and vulnerable in relationships in order to have loving and communicative and vulnerable relationships, that's your ultimate goal. Then each and every day you can be showing that version of yourself now. Because you don't just get to act the way you've always acted and expect your relationships to magically change. You have to put in the effort. With everything in life, it takes effort. The benefit without the struggle means you don't even appreciate the benefit, right? The benefit without the effort means it doesn't work that way. Wanting a result without putting in the work, wanting to open up the refrigerator and always seeing food, right? If somebody's always buying you food and bringing it in, are you, you're you not going to be as appreciative of that food as if you actually had to go out and work for it. Somebody gives you a car, you're not going to appreciate it as much as if you saved for years in order to afford that car. I still love my Hyundai Santa Fe to love it. Love that I own that car. Every time I get in it, it's a nice little beautiful reminder that I got sober and let myself buy a nice car because it was the first time in my life I knew I wouldn't be drinking and driving. And I wasn't going to own a nice car if I was going to be drinking and driving. And forget about the moral issues with drinking and driving. And just for a moment, sticking to the idea, I wasn't going to buy myself a nice car if I was drinking and driving. So I got sober and it it was time to buy a new car old car was falling apart. This needed to happen in my life. So when I get in that car, because of the fruits of my labor, it's like I'm in this car because I'm sober. I earned this car. I appreciate that car each and every day like it was brand new in my life. A hedonistic adaptation is not formed with that car because I have attached a deeper value to what that car represents in my life. Other than it just being a car, or being a SUV, or being nice and new and shiny, those are all great external reasons why I can enjoy, why I can love the car. Those are those are absolutely things the car is. But internally, I have attached it to I earned this car through sobriety and recovery. It is a, it is the gift that keeps on giving. It is the Super Bowl trophy that doesn't just get put on a shelf and forgotten and collect dust. It literally is what gets me from place to place. Where I want to go in life is in that car. When I want to go to speeches, when I want to go to presentations, when I want to go create things in my life, I do it damn near every single time by first getting in that car. I've attached a deeper meaning to it than it's just four wheels and a motor. And because of that, I treated that car with the utmost respect. When it needs filters, when it needs tires adjusted, when it needs to be washed, I do those things. I make sure that it's shiny. I put the little spray on the sidewalls of the tires so that it looks real clean and pretty. It matters to me. Because when I walk up to it, I'm like, this is what I'm earning. This is in my life because I've earned it. Everything you want in your life is going to be there because you've earned it. The benefit without the struggle takes away the appreciation. And I don't want that in my life. I want to be able to appreciate Everything that's in my life, and if I start to not appreciate it, then I can generally notice that it's about the, the t- same time that the uh, that the person, place, or thing stopped appreciating me too. I can't snap my fingers and expect everyone to to uplift my emotional needs. If I don't first start to take care of my own emotional needs. If I'm not feeling appreciated, how can I make somebody else feel appreciated? So therefore, they want to then do things for me that show me their appreciation. And then I have appreciation for them. And it becomes this awesome feedback loop. But if I don't feel appreciated, then I pull back doing things for that person that would have helped them feel appreciated and loved. And then they then take things back. That's not a a fault of their behavior, nor is it necessarily even a fault of mine, other than it's just the human experience. When we feel love, we give love. When we give love, we feel love. And it's this awesome feedback loop. When we don't feel love, we give less love. When we give less love, we feel less love. It's it's the negative feedback loop. We're not judging it to be right or wrong because we understand we're imperfect humans. And that's the beautiful thing about us. We are perfectly imperfect. So let's embrace our perfectly imperfect selves so that we can release judgment upon us when we're not doing things as desirably as we would prefer. We correct the actions and the behaviors, which increases the more positive thoughts and feelings. And then it becomes this feedback loop of, okay, I'm working on it. I'm doing something for this each and every day. You don't build skyscrapers and stadiums overnight. You don't heal old wounds overnight. You don't immediately look in the mirror and be exactly who you want to be overnight. So as you're working towards getting to this version of yourself, Now you can be more mindful of who you're being while you get there. Sit down right now. Write out three primary attributes you would like to be able to embrace, internalizing them first. Therefore, they will be experienced externally later. Do you want to be loving? Then attach loving to your goals and say, okay, each and every day when I go to the gym, I'm being loving towards myself because I'm increasing my physical fitness so I can still be doing things at an old age that only a young person could. Right? If I want to create loving relationships, then today I'm going to show these people love. That's who I'm going to be today in order to get to a destination tomorrow. You've seen these older people who are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who can barely walk up a flight of stairs. If they would have been, if they would have, and then they're, then now they want to go to the gym. Now they want to walk. Now they want to try. But it's like you've, you've been doing this to your body for 65 years. Do you think you're just going to be able to reverse it right away? It's going to take a long time. But now you're older, so it's going to take even longer to reverse. So do it now while you're younger. And then you instill these positive habits and attributes into yourself at a younger age. So down the line, the deep grooves that you've worn into your record are actually of desirable habits and behaviors, of characteristics. There's less for you to contend with when you get older because you've already been healing it and, and taking care of it now. This is the person you're seeking to become. So be it now. Release the judgment of others if they don't experience what you're doing exactly the way that you would like because you can't control their experience of you. But if you're, if you're being loving and you're attaching it to your internal goals, then at some point a conversation will be started and they'll either say, well, actually, I'd love it if you did this instead. Great. They just gave you a roadmap. Follow it. They're not bossing you around. They're literally just showing you how to get to your destination, which is them and being in love and being connected. They're just showing you a more efficient way to get there. That actually is what they want. If you think the way of showing somebody that you love them is by buying them Oreos all the time and what they really enjoy is apples, then you're buying them Oreos because you think that's what they want in order to feel loved and connected. But that's what you think, that you're doing it for yourself. They said apples, so just buy the damn apples. <laughs> Nobody's done this to me, but it came to mind. All right, I'm going to get you out of here on this. Somehow, some way. I did turn these into like back-to-back 40-minute long episodes, but this stuff matters to me. It matters to me, and that's why I bring it to you. I'm not just sitting here coming up with these topics all willy-nilly. This is shit that's happening in my life. Now, not all of these examples are actually happening in my life, happening in my tribe or they're happening with my listeners who Instagram me, you know, message me on TikTok, however that is. Right? Not every single one of these examples is me in my life. In fact, it's this gigantic amalgamation of like 30 people. But it's happening in my life because it's happening in my tribe's lives. So then I'm experiencing what they're telling me. My mind is putting me into their into their story, or my mind is putting me into my situations that are similar to their situations. And so now we begin to coexist and live and learn from each other as we all experience different aspects of sobriety and recovery. This is the power of the tribe. You take people who love this information as much as you and who listen to every single episode in the way that you do. And then you get to come in here and you get to actually hear how people are experiencing it, how they've taken in these mantras, how they've taken in these behaviors and over the course of 140 some episodes instilled it into themselves. So it's just a habit now. And then when we find ourselves sliding back into old behaviors, we bring it to the forum and we discuss it. We go into Voxer and we say, hey, this is what happened to me today. And we have all experienced something similar. So now we're able to bring our own intelligence around situations like this to the group we're able to help one another, guide one another. And I'm telling you through that, it's all the way up. This stuff matters to me because I just, I attached a deeper meaning into, of it into myself. The purpose of my life is to all the way up myself. And in that pro, actually, the passion of my life is to all the way up myself. I externalized it by turning it into my purpose to save a million lives or help a million people achieve their highest sense of self all these things that I seek from this stuff. It's just because if I sat here and learned all this and did all this myself, it's like, well, then what then I'm the only one standing around taking all this awesome information in and all the way up in my own life, that's, that's not me. My way is to, you know, get on the microphone and tell other people, and if it's connecting, then it's working for you. Keep applying it, Keep pushing yourself forward. If you want to know what more, I've already said this before, I'll say it again, stand up and raise your hand. I'll call on you. It's your turn. Step forward. Whether it's one-on-one coaching, whether it's the group forums, whether it's just being involved in the tribe, you let me know. Let me know what it is you seek because there is an avenue for you in wise mind recovery and empowerment. There is an avenue for you and it starts with empowerment. You're creating your life. I've already stepped in as a coach. Life is the challenger. Let's do it together know who you're being today because who you're being today is absolutely creating your tomorrow. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up sober. Shout out to sunshine. Glow on. See you next week. Bye-bye.